So a bit of a different uh, angle from us this week. We didn't actually have anything to watch, <laughs> um, but something extremely important in the you know entertainment world is happening right now. Um, NBC News headline: More than 160,000 screen performers, specifically represented by SAG-AFTRA, went on strike for the first time since 1980. Um, that's quite a big deal. That's you know that's 43 years. Um, there's always negotiations on the contracts for every three years or so. Um, but big films that are shut down until a deal deal is met. Do you um, do you know any of the the really big ones? What movies that have been delayed or even shut down? Yeah, I mean it's this is affecting basically everything. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the big Hollywood ones, we've got Gladiator Two. Yeah. On pause. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part Two, um, and I've got Jura Two. Clint Eastwood now. Actually, I thought Jira 2 looked quite good. <laughs> I haven't seen Jira 1, but I might be checking that out after reading a little bit about it. Um, 97% of uh, SAG-AFTRA members supported the strikes. But I think what's important to notice that even though SAG-AFTRA are getting the headlines, you know, the actors are getting the headlines, um, actors walking out of red carpet events, um, this falls after the writer strikes that um, started in the middle of May this year, and these writer strikes are, you know, are just as important. And Alfie, you, you've got a little bit of history of of some of the writer strikes for us. Yeah, I do. Um, so, well, WGA, Writers Guild of America, have been on strike since the second of May this year. Um, the Writers Guild of America are notorious for striking, and rightly so. I mean, the 20th century is absolutely littered with um, with writers' strikes. There's been 14 major strikes since uh, since 1960. 1960s was the last dual strike when we had, I believe, the last time we had both SAG-AFTRA and the WGA on strike at the same time. Um, it was a massive deal. It improved rights for script writers and added a five percent um, residual for TV airing movies that were released before 1960. So that's any writer that was involved in the script of these movies that aired before that time were then getting a 5% increase on any revenue earned if those movies were aired on TV. Right. Um, so I believe that's quite a large back payment. But this was back in 1960. Uh, believe it or not, SAG-AFTRA's president in 1960 was none other than Ronald Reagan, future president of the United States, actor from California. Which is kind of crazy to think given how he kneecapped the uh, the airport workers strikes in his presidential calendar a little while later but um yeah 1960 was the last time that we had dual strikes i believe uh 1988 was the longest um which won writers residuals for hour-long shows and expanded well creative rights really for uh, for actors across the board so they had a say in stuff like casting and shows that they'd written and sort of actual creative jurisdiction over the projects that they'd they'd made um that was also a really, a really big deal. 2007 to 2008 saw a large writer's strike around home cinema. So concerns were growing around uh, Netflix. I mean, at the time, streaming services were pretty new technology. Um, Netflix came about in 1997. I believe in 1996, DVDs replaced uh, VHS for the first time. By 2006, completely dominated. Now. DVDs and the home video market was grossing around 4.8 billion years for the uh, for the entertainment industry. 
while box offices were, box offices were only bringing in like 1.8, so a quarter of the amount. So right. wow. the home sort of entertainment industry, the home uh, system, the video market is four times the size of the actual cinema at this time. Right. Yet writers were being paid a much lower residual on DVDs and VHS tapes than they were for movies airing in the cinema. Right. Um, that residual was around 0.36% of each million grossed, and that's for VHS tapes, which I believe could be wrong about this, but I believe the WGA had to strike for that percentage. Now, when DVDs dominated VHS, like when their domination happened over VHS tapes, obviously the, to manufacture DVDs is much cheaper, mm. bringing the, the production costs down for producing companies, but that percentage for residuals for writers didn't change. Yeah. So, so it increased profit. It incre- exactly, and, and writers were not compensated proportionately to that increase in profit. So that strike in 2008 was mostly around um, the DVD overhaul, although at the time there were concerns, you know, cropping up around um, streaming services like Netflix as well. So I think you could see like where the industry was going at this point. So that strike happened, it was ineffective. Mm. That percentage didn't change on uh, on residuals for DVD, for DVD production at all for writers. I think the the streaming services back in 2007-8, that industry was almost left out of the room though at the time. Yeah. People true. really didn't think there was a concern. I, I remember, so I listened to a podcast on Netflix and um, I can't remember exactly when it was, but Netflix walked into Blockbuster and offered them the whole company for 50 million. And well, they, 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 they tried to sell themselves to... Yeah. Wow. And they were laughed out of the room and we're here now blockbuster does basically not exist yeah. and netflix is one of the highest you know well profit generating industry yeah. well yeah i mean it's not stopped blockbuster for going for them on twitter quite a lot which i think is, I think is brilliant but um, but yeah i think at this point it's safe to say that there's a long history of, of battles between the writers guild of america and the amptp which is the alliance of motion picture and television producers now they're the um, the company that are essentially responsible for. Well, they represent all of these major um, production companies. So Netflix, Disney, I believe Sky. There's there's Paramount. Par- yeah, I mean, Apple TV. Anyone who's anyone in Amazon Studios production. All of these companies that we're all subscribed to, they're represented by the AMPTP. Who, at this point, both WGA and SAG-AFTRA have been at war with for quite a long time. Um, I think the Writers Guild have had it especially bad. I mean, as as I say, like there's tons of strikes. They've been striking more than almost any other union um, in the past sort of hundred years. It's crazy because writers are still today not fairly represented by residuals for the work that they do, and it seems like with every new development in the industry, with every sort of step forwards or new technology um, and advance in distribution techniques writers have had to fight for fair compensation every single time so we've just got this long history now of writers being underappreciated and not sort of given their fair dues for creating all of this work and all of this entertainment that we that we consume and everybody else is getting paid so now once again from the 2nd of May this year the WGA has been on strike yeah so I have a little bit of information regarding what they're striking for specifically. Um, 
on this round of strikes. So as, as we've kind of talked about, writers are not being paid fairly in the new era of streaming. So this is the first walkout, as we've said, in about 15 years. And, and, and what was really funny is um, I remember uh, watching through Prison Break just a few years ago. Well, about 2016, I was watching through Prison Break. Um, and wondering why uh, season three was half the <laughs> length of seasons yeah. one, two, and four. And, and, and that's the impact, you know, season one of Prison Break, 22 episodes, season two, 22 episodes, season three, 13 episodes, just completely cut. Mm. Um, it's funny, you really can track the impact of these strikes back through history. Like, um, I mean, I'm not a James Bond fan, but Quantum of Solace was released during those, um, those last WGA strikes. And it's rated as one of the lowest. One yeah, of the, like, heavily, heavily. Yeah, the worst Bond movies, which obviously came out during the strikes and was struggling with cutbacks on, on mm. writers and stuff. And to be fair, season three of Prison Break, I think, sparked the downfall of that as a show in general. I thought season one did. <laughs> <laughs> I liked a bit of season one, tea bag and all that. Um, <clears throat> so the union... The union WGA proposes that shows should staff writers depending on their length. Um, so like a certain number of writers, if it's a longer season, mm. almost. And, and to the AMPTP, their point is the union are proposing that writers are staffed even if they're not needed yeah. on shows. Um, and, the, and these current strikes are impacting late night talk shows. Saturday Night Live has, uh, was cancelled few weeks ago and they've been playing repeats instead and specifically pay has reduced four percent during the streaming era and because of inflation writers and producers are 23 percent worse off worse off than they, um, they have been before in the streaming era shows run for shorter lengths meaning there's no consistent income which is a really in in interesting point because it you know shows are about 10 episodes long mm. on Netflix and Amazon and, and, and maybe that is plays into the part of capacity for people to watch more than 10 episodes or something like that right. but we, we consistently always talk about maybe shows rushing endings and stuff like that so yeah. maybe that you know we, we want more episodes but these you know these big companies these streaming services have their packages you know 10 episodes and, and, and what it means is that because of the streaming area you don't get as many you, there's not as much money in the in the 30 episode long seasons anymore and I never really understood the impact of that really I never really understood that that meant people were getting paid a lot less mm. you know I've, I've come to the realisation that or thought that actually 10 12 episode seasons are, are quite good and concise but it's having such a major impact on on writers mm. um Overseas income has gone as well. So the residuals regarding overseas income, I think previously before streaming services, when shows and films were purchased by other, you know, uh, international companies and stuff, writers got a percentage. Now with all the um, streaming content being specific to your platform and your country, if you're writing for that show and it's on a platform in America, they're not necessarily selling that show to other countries because it's on, it's exclusive to Paramount Plus or exclusive to Apple TV or American Netflix. Right. So there's no, so that residual's gone as well. There's no yeah. percentage coming in for shows being sold overseas or a lot less. Um, 
The creator of BoJack Horseman says it will become an industry only for people that can self-fund themselves. Yeah, that's interesting. It does look like that's the way this is going, doesn't it? Which is, it is terrifying. I, I mean, another industry just for the elite. You know, what does that do for, for the creation of stories? Do you have, you know, if only the elite can write stories. Well, that's critically damaging. Yeah. And, and I think that's... That, that actually represents a complete lack of representation. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it, those are the fundamental. Those are the fundamental issues. Your your the creativity is going to be honed down to just one group of people that mm. can afford to, to produce. Pay, to basically, produce. yeah. Another impact um, of this slimming down of writers in the industry uh, and the shorter contract periods that um, AMTP are, are offering has resulted in what they're calling mini rooms. So much smaller writers rooms that run for a shorter span of time. Um, so say you're contracted for X amount of weeks to work with, I don't know, I don't know how big these mini rooms are, but let's say four of the writers as opposed to 10 or whatever. Um, so you've got less vo voices in the creative process of, uh, of these TV shows, but also crucially, they're contracted to a shorter amount of time. So we're actually seeing examples of, of these mini rooms running out of time before shows have ended, which is another perhaps reason that we're seeing weaker endings in seasons all the time. Because a lot of the time, a, a large major, a large percentage of the writers that are working on the show, have their contracts have run out before the, finish, the finished um, product. Mm. It's turning writing into what they're calling a gig economy, which should completely makes sense. Um, an example of a show that this happened to is Beef this year. Beef's mini room finished before the finale. So Lee Sung Jin was left to finish it on his own. He wrote the last episode, you know, and it's just um Yeah. It's just the two of them in the wilderness or whatever. That was written by him solo. That's interesting because I hated it and you liked it. I didn't mind, I didn't think it was so bad, but I mean I will concede that it was the weakest of the season. Mm. Um and I mean, yeah, I mean I think it's so telling. Um, you can see how this is actually affecting storytelling. Yeah. But also AMTP, one of the, I mean, their defense is that so far is that, you know, well, the, it's for the good of the industry and all of this. Like we're trying to save money and yada, and it's for the good of the industry. But if, I mean, if you want to talk about that, what these mini rooms are doing is also completely, and turning writing into a gig economy is doing, is completely ending progression for young aspiring writers. Mm -hmm. No one can get internships anymore. No one can work on projects as a, you know, I don't know, runner or whatever <laughs> like there's no sort of opportunity to build yourself up to a showrunner or even a writer um apparently amtp even went as far as offered lottery based unpaid internships so pe leaving people's careers down a chance which is crazy so we've discussed all of those issues that writers are striking about and we have left one out and that is the impact of ai the information i have right now uh that investors are looking at AI, AI startup companies that predict box office hits before they're produced. And that's an interesting concept, but that's not the, the massive issue around writing. Um, what is that? Well, it comes down to um, residuals and fair representation and pay again. I mean, we're looking at a possible future where we've got AI writing scripts. Obviously, chat GPT can pretty much already do that. <laughs> and I don't think it's... Um, an implausible situation that we could enter that it that sees AI writing scripts for, for producers and, and them cutting out the cost of human rights completely. 
Now, even I mean, obviously, even if we do go down that bleak, depressing route, those AI, that AI technology, will have to learn from human-written scripts, and so obviously, we'll have to feed like hundreds of previously written pieces of fiction into the into it, for, so they can scan them and use them to as uh, blueprints or whatever. Now, those scripts that will be fed in will, of course, have been written by human writers. So technically, those writers should have residuals on everything that that AI then produces forever, which, of course, they won't. Mm. Or at the moment, there's no conversation about. And but I you think, wouldn't be able to prove what they've taken the information from, really. Well, I know that at the moment, talks between WGA, the WGA, sorry, I've had a lot of coffee, and the uh, AMPTP have involved the WGA trying to restrict any uh, writing that's under the MBA that, um, from being used as source material for yeah. AI. Yeah. Uh, so that's the, min- the MBA being the minimum basic agreement, um, which I think was achieved by one of the strikes, that the, <laughs> that the, by one of the uh, strikes in the uh, late 1900s um, that saw the Writers Guild win a basically minimum contract for anything that they produce, like a minimum amount that you can pay and a minimum amount of creative jurisdiction that a writer can have on any project that they work on or that, that a writer must be granted. Mm. Yeah, and AI actually represents the one major crossover between the writers' strikes and the sag strikes. And, yeah, I've got a little bit of context around the sag strikes. I have a little bit from what the unions say, and I actually have um, a bit of a response from the AMPTP as well. Okay. So, sag there was a contract set to expire with the AMTP on the uh, 30th of June. And the union specifically is looking for a contract that represents the changes in the industry. Now, the contracts they want to include in, are around... An erosion of income due to inflation and streaming. So we mentioned that uh, with writers as well. You know, uh, wages being reduced and inflation causing, you know, people to be far more worse off. The fast evolving threats of generative AI and the unregulated and burdensome self-taped auditions as well. Oh, yeah. Um, So that's, that's kind of where the sticking points are just now. Um, and interestingly, so so we we're going to continue to talk about AI. Hollywood studio executives have hinted at background actors being replaced by AI. This means that they are scanned, paid for one day's pay, and then the company will own their image likeness and use the images for eternity with no compensation or consent. Mm. Which sounds very familiar to the plot of Journey's Awful. Wow, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. So, you know, and the background actors... Do you think Gordon saw this coming? So, yeah, I'm going to give him that. I'll give him that credit. He he obviously is in the industry. Yeah. um, You know, works with Netflix and has probably heard rumblings of, you Mm. know, of these suggestions anyway. and, And it's kind of... Jump the gun and beat beat everyone to the bullet. Topical as always. The AMTP, res, re, you know, responds to these regarding that, you know, they say the union has chosen a path that will lead to financial hardship for countless thousands of people who depend on the industry. Um, now, 
what's really interesting is the contract negotiations have looked at a lot of pay increases, uh, you know, some quite significant pay increases. And I think the criticism from the public around actors being paid too much, what's interesting is um, if you're a guest actor or, or if you have a major role in a TV series now, um, you're set to get a 58% pay increase mm. for, for appearing for a few episodes in a in a role in a TV show, but it, but it's the it's the actual livelihood of the of the actors that create the scenes and the background and the backdrops that yeah. are kind of at risk here. I think something that people forget about this industry is that yeah okay like you got your George Clooney's and your Margot Robbie's and whatever earning millions and whatever, but they're not representative of the entire body of actors in the world. And so many, the vast majority, vast, vast majority are struggling. Mm. Like it's not easy to get to, to that position. That goes for writers too. Everyone talks about JK Rowling's, but how many writers, you know, put out one, two books or not at all. And mm. um, are struggling. This is a difficult industry. And I think fair representation and, and fair pay and residuals is, is really important and really crucial for, to, uh, to that. So the likes of George Clooney and Margot Robbie joining picket lines isn't hypocritical at all what they're doing is standing with all of those other actors exactly and that's yeah. powerful yeah and and what 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 we have here is a risk of you having four or five stars and then the background of people you know just being completely computer generated yeah and the argument for, for from your unions and your background actors is that's just going to completely take the feel out of scenes and the you know the emotion out of the screen, um, and like and then how long before you know Killian Murphy is just a computer <laughs> yeah. generated image, and he actually has signed a contract to get a one big payoff, but not read the small print that they're going to use it continuously in loads of other different shows and shots and things like that you know when, when where does it end and I think so the AMPTP's response that despite all the pay increases that they've kind of they've um, they've suggested is their stance on AI was a requirement to ask for consent to use a person's image hmm. so no yeah, and, and they called it groundbreaking a groundbreaking ask to use for ask for consent so no payment for the image, um, oh, we'll ask you what projects we're going to use your image on, but we'll not pay you for it. Yeah, and we're going to do this forever. Yeah, you know, you sign you sign away a contract, but and you die, and your image still gets used. Yeah, you know that those are the and I and I think this I think AI has for actors has to be off the table completely because what if you leave the door ajar, companies can find loopholes. Yeah. And where and a loophole can become the norm, and yeah. I think that's quite evident with the um, with the self tape kind of scandal as well. The auditions. Yeah. So Betty May, a casting office, um, most notable work being Euphoria, which is funny because we spoke about that this episode, and A Star Is Born. And what they did during the pandemic, they started renting out space for one hundred and thirty dollars an hour. Um, to, for people to self-tape their auditions, you know, so they have the, the professional setup, um, and 
and then their audition gets sent to you know kind of whoever yeah. producers directors etc so this used to this used to be free and accessible for everyone the self-taping well that that the cost of it used to fall on the producers on the AMPTP and now it's ex- we're, we're, we've moved into a time where that cost is expected to be taken up by the actors themselves mm. the actors are paying to apply for a job yeah and what so so the I mean what's happened is there, there was an original issue with self-taping and the fact that 25 years ago you might be you might be competing with five people for a role and and fast forward 15 years with self-taping you're then competing with 40 people for one role so that's so that so that so self-taping has caused too much competition but now where this is going where if you can pay 130 dollars an hour for a prestige backdrop and the casting office that you have paid your you know paid to have your audition with has a relationship with all these big execs again the wealthy actors and the people that can afford the $130 an hour are going to jump ahead at the front of the queue, yeah. leaving everyone else behind that can't afford those premium fees, those premium agency fees to get themselves a job. Actors are already spending 25% of their salary on agency fees. That's a crazy statistic. And, you know, not, not the huge, huge actors, but the, the ones that go from, you know... Well, the ones that are trying to build their career. Job to job, building yeah. their career. They're, you know, 25% is on agents trying to get them work. And that's where, and that's, you know, that's where AI is going to leave us. That's where, you know, self-taping is, gonna, is leaving us. People with less money and, you know... The death of the industry. Really. I really think that does translate to the death of the industry. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's scary. It's soulless, and I don't understand how anyone can be campaigning, or can anyone anyone can genuinely want a future where AI is working on creative projects for us. It's around. Well, it's around money. I, I mean, if you're if you're the chief of Netflix and you're producing, you know, a war scene or something like that. You've got two actors that you pay a premium fee to and all these background actors that you might pay a thousand pound a day. With AI, you wipe around, you wipe away those hundreds yeah, of actors. so it's cheap. you've paid a thousand pound. Yeah, you've paid them a one-off fee that they that looks good at the start, might be 10K. And the actor thinks, well, I'm getting 10K for, for the, just so they can scan my image. But then they're using your image forever and you're never being paid again. Yeah. And... It's it's short term thinking of people that already have a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. a robot that if you replace a human on screen with AI, you're taking away and someone's salary, which means yeah. that person's not paying rent, that person's mm. not buying food or paying paying back into economies. It's telling them to change their job role, you know. It's, it's ruining an industry, it's, it's taking people's livelihoods away and it's making them what, go and work in an Amazon factory while the AI does the role that they wanted to do. And, and eliminating potential progression, like how do we get those two actors that you're still paying? How do we get them? How, do, how what happens when they age and we need fresh talent? Where's the pool that we, that we look to? Because that's developed over a number of years. Because there's no one working on these sets. There's no one working under these people because you've got AI doing that now. I completely appreciate that it's cheaper, but it just translates to a battle between human art and technology and money. Human art and money. It's the, it's the human spirit against greed. 
isn't it? Which I think is what this this um, strike, all this conflict, ultimately comes down to. Yeah. Which is a story in a battle like as old as time, isn't it? And it's crazy that you know, twenty twenty three, we're still doing this. In fact, it's getting worse. It will get worse. And the gap between. Nah, let's not get too political. But you know what I'm saying. It will get worse. At the end of the day, and the reason why this will all fall down is AI, a robot, cannot spend money. If you're paying, if you're paying me a salary, I can then spend money on other things and prop up other businesses. Mm. If you replace me with with AI, that's one less pot of money Benefactor. to spend on all yeah. these other things that keep things moving well until Taxes, they can you know scan algorithms and predict what what's decent to invest in and that kind of thing which it probably isn't too far as well we're in trouble <laughs> the entertainment industry is clearly you know needs to work something out and to, for me the only solution is for writers and actors regarding the AI specifically is no deal completely off the table yeah which is why I'm completely in support of these strikes I mean, the collaborative strikes of SAG-AFTRA and WGA shows that creatives in the industry are actually pushing back against these like billionaire overlords. Um, and a positive result could mean, well, like, I mean, it could mean a turn back towards a healthier industry and more appreciation on and jurisdiction as well, given to writers, yeah, writers and actors. And, and, just and that could even translate as more original stories. Imagine writers with more control, creative control. Yeah. Um, I would just like you to make listeners as angry as, as you made me before we started. What are those other shows that are being impacted right now? Everything is being impacted. Every, like, like, I mean, this is the thing. Like, <laughs> don't make me tap the badge. Strikes are supposed to be disruptive. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, all of this, like, you know, like you know, all of this whining from AMTP about how it's costing them billions and it's ruining the industry that people are striking. Like, this is the way that we get... Um, eyes on this mm. and that's why I think it's so important that sag have joined WGA on picket lines because when you've got names like Clooney and, and Margot Robbie and, and Killian Murphy and Matt Damon walking out of premieres in London you're, these names are bringing popularity or not popularity but they're bringing attention to the mm. strikes the WGA has been on strike since May and no one really cared but the minute sag goes on strike and people walk out of premieres like everyone's, everyone turns and pays yeah. attention so that's super important. But, I mean, it does mean delays expected on Deadpool 3. Beef, we already mentioned. I mean, it's, it's out, but it was affected. Um, the Last of Us Season 2. Stranger Things Season 5. The Boys, which I know you'll be particularly upset about. Uh, the new Captain America and all that Marvel crap is probably going to be hit. Uh, the new Spider-Man with Tom Holland. Bad Sisters Season 2, yeah. which is really sad. Um, I think we won't even be able to start filming at this point. White Lotus, The Mandalorian... Gladiator Two, as you've already said, uh, Wicked with Ariana Grande, the um, okay. the uh, the movie adaptation of that. I mean, apparently that set's been abandoned in Buckinghamshire or wherever it is. Emily in Paris. Um, I mean, there are some things that have escaped it a little bit. Like um, supposedly Rings of Power has avoided delays. Uh, I think they'd actually wrapped. Yeah, I mean, I don't it. think that many people will be Can. tuning into Rings of Power season two anyway. Yeah. But. Game... I mean, if it's all you've got <laughs> <laughs> well that's it Game of Thrones uh, so the House of Dragon second series apparently has avoided strikes mm. but mostly because and I think this needs mentioning as well there are no strikes happening here in the UK this is an American thing mm. um, this is Hollywood striking this isn't uh, this isn't here and that's 
But I think mostly because Equity are like half decent people compared to um, the AMPTP, and there's still a decent relationship between the two. Um, and given that Game of Thrones has a predominantly British cast, mm. or predominantly non-American cast, I should say, um, I think they've avoided strikes. However, the the spin-off that was coming, something about the Hedge Knight, that's screwed. That's been hit quite hard. Um, I think another thing that's important to remember is that even though a show potentially like Rings of Power or whatever that's finished the script, or I don't know if Rings of Power is wrapped, maybe that's a bad example, but say you had a, sh- a show where the script was finished, that doesn't mean, so prior to the sag strikes, that doesn't mean that shooting can then go ahead without a hitch, because writers are so integral to the creative process even during yeah. filming. Yeah. So like, you know, as, as I've already said with the sort of beef example um, of that last episode being amended, like because writers' contracts had ended. You need writers on set, you need writers on the scene to write adaptations in real time as, yeah. as real life gets in the and, way. And as things are perceived and things, you know, things need to be redone and in real time because you might get bad responses to an open an episode or something like that. And you can have weather affect a deadline, which means the plot needs changing. Yeah. It can be it's, it can be something as like as crazy as that. But again, now that SAG AFTRA have gone on strike as well, um both WGA and SAG AFTRA means that writers and actors are gone and that's the industry grinding to a halt. So it's safe to say that everything is affected. I mean even if the actors hadn't joined writers on picket lines uh, in these past few days it's still a huge it's going to have a huge impact on the industry but this is unprecedented we haven't had this since 1960 and this is you know the industry grinding to a halt until we get some kind of agreement yeah from AM uh, PTP yeah so uh, prepare for loads of top five lists as we run out of things to watch (laughs) (laughs) 